the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What is your why? Why did you even get out of the bed this morning? Why did you eat what you ate? Why did you wear what you wore? Why did you come here? We are here to connect. Life is about people. Advertising is about illuminating how our products and services will improve people's lives. Now, how do we do that? Love, time, death. Now these three abstractions connect every single human being on earth. Everything that we covet, everything that we fear not having, everything that we ultimately end up buying is because at the end of the day, we long for love, we wish we had more time, and we fear death. Love, time, death. to the main event. No, we're not going to take it. We're not going to take this being cooped up anymore. There's protests going everywhere. Talked about it a little bit last week. It's uh, it's become painfully obvious. Painfully obvious that the numbers are wrong. The, 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 the narrative that the media is trying to tell us about this coronavirus is designed to scare us that we're going to die. Keep us in fear. 
keep us that you know you think about the clip that i opened up from open up with from the movie collateral beauty from i don't know six seven years ago uh will will smith's talking about love time and death we long for love we wish we had more time and we fear death that i think the democratic party has a better grip on that than the republicans do because they want it, they want us to think that they love us all they really care about us when we know that that's just words that they say in elections times that they try to tell us that we don't have any time we got to do something now or else the world's not going to it's not going to be here in 12 years i can't wait till 12 years from now to say well what happened we're still here and we fear death and that's why everybody's going along with this thing but you know it's been too long we don't buy it anymore and we're not going to take it anymore. You see all the protests that are going on. Uh, I know a friend of mine just tw- just texted me before he's on his way to Sacramento to, to, uh, to protest the lockdown stand down and protest the California state money, giving giving $1,200 to uh, giving all the money to illegal aliens. And on top of what the, the uh, relief relief efforts which uh, was uh, stimulus number four that we talked about last week, which is not going to go anywhere. Thank God for the Republicans have some have some uh, some common sense. But uh, we're going to talk about all that stuff and a lot more. But uh, let me uh, let me talk to you about something that just came up this week um, or just this morning, actually. Um, Joe Biden, Joe Biden. You know, we have our we have our our subjects all mapped out on Thursday night and then stuff happens on Friday morning before we record. And sometimes it's so juicy. We just got to amend things. Joe Biden was on a, uh, was on a, uh, uh, a nationally syndicated radio show called the breakfast club. And it's, uh, it's really, really geared towards the black community. They broadcast in New York, but it goes over the, over the whole country. And listen to what, listen to what Biden said. Listen, you got to come see us when you come to New York, VP Biden. I a, will. It's a long way until November. We got more questions. You got more okay. questions. But I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. Hello. Hello. You know, this, this, this makes me have to play this, this other uh, movie clip from a movie called Due Date. Jackpot. That's definitely not mine. My bag got switched with this. You packed your bag yourself, sir? Yeah, but not that. I've never done drugs in my life. This is absolutely crazy. Maybe you're a drug mule. Drug mule? Do I look like a drug mule? I don't know how the drug mules look. Oh, you're the expert. What, like me? Who said that? Your eyes. Your eyes are saying like me. My eyes said something? Did my mouth say anything? I don't think you look like a... You are so inappropriate, it's crazy. Wow, man, I'm going to call a lot of things, man, but inappropriate... Yeah, inappropriate. I think uh I you know, I'm I'm curious to how the how the uh the liberal media plays this down and makes an excuse for Biden. Why is this not racist? I don't know. Uh Tim Scott, the uh, senator from Florida, had this to say. That is the most arrogant, condescending comment I've heard in a very long time, and that's saying something. Yeah, I would say it's uh, you know, the media, the media grapples over every little tiny, tiny uh, comment that Trump makes. And sometimes he makes them, if you played them in context, they don't sound bad, but they'll cut them to make them look worse than they are. I'm, ex- I'm anxious to hear all the, re- all the response by the nighttime uh, news commentators tonight. Um, not the news people, but the, you know, the, 
Hannity's and and uh, I'd be surprised Hannity and Laura Ingram and uh, Tucker Carlson. And I'm going to be curious to switch over to see what Don Lemon says and what uh, and what uh, Rachel Maddow says to to cover this up to make excuses for it. It's amazing. Hey, so uh, I'm back in California. Back in California, we drove home. We were in uh, in at, in Arizona at our Bullhead City House for two weeks, fifteen days actually. Um, and I broadcast the last two shows from there. And we drove home Sunday. I figured I got to come home and pay bills. But you know, Arizona is open for business, and it's just so much more relaxed there. Um, and you know, at some point, we're gonna have to stay here stay here longer, but, uh, stay here more often because we're going to be back working in the office. But I'm saying, Hey, as long as we're not, uh, as long as we're not forcing everybody to go back to the office, then, uh, let's take advantage and enjoy our, enjoy our house out there. But most of the time I spend working anyway. But, uh, what I wanted to say is when I got back on Sunday, I went through all my mail and I got a stimulus check, not a stimulus check, a relief check for 2,400 bucks. And I just go, how stupid is this government? I'm not hurting financially at all. I have not been affected by the financially by the uh, by the pandemic. I have not. It's inconvenient, but I haven't been hurt at all. And they sent me a check, and so I uh, I called uh, I I sent a text to uh, Pastor Matt Brown at Sandals, and I did a and uh, Jeff White, who's the pastor at the Marino Valley campus, and I say, hey, I'm not participating in this. I refuse to to uh, not walk the walk because I talk the talk. I'm, and I said, if I send it back to the treasury, they're going to send it to an illegal alien or somebody else who doesn't need it. I'll just sign it over to Sandals Church. And they said, oh, deposit it, then write us a check. So which I did. So, um, and I posted it on Facebook for those of you that see me on Facebook. And I said, I challenge everybody else who got one of these to do the same. And uh, one of my neighbors actually said that uh, they got a check for her deceased mother-in-law and it said uh it was made out to such and such deceased care of her husband's name and 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 i said hey you know what they know she's deceased they still sent 1200 bucks what's wrong with this this is the money that comes out of your check and out of my check every single week this is how stupid the democrats are this is how stupid our government is. And it just, it angers me. It angers me and we're not going to take it anymore. So anyway, with that, I'm going to get on to the rest of the show. I just needed to rant a little bit about stuff that's gone on. And I just, yeah. I know you guys all feel the same because you guys all tell me. You guys send me emails and messages and all that stuff. And I appreciate it because I like to know that uh, people are listening and the efforts I put into this are uh, are appreciated. So, but before I go any further, let me quickly introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and real estate is moving a little slower than it used to because of the pandemic. Before we get released to go, if you're looking to buy, it's time to look, time to look now. And uh, and uh, if you need financing, call me toll free at eight five five six four zero twenty twenty. That's eight five five. 640-2020, one last time, day or night, toll-free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to connect, but you don't want to talk on the phone just yet, because it's so personal, because I might ask you a question you're not ready to answer yet, um, go to edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net, and uh, click on the Summit Funding logo. It'll take you to my lending page. You can fill in the form, fill in and put as much information as you want 
Tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from either myself or one of my talented teammates, Eric Marquez, Cody Bradbury, Aaron Fredericks, or Brian Goodman will help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Whether you're looking to pick up a new piece of property that you want to own or whether you want to refinance a piece of property that you already own. And even if you want to, uh, even if you want to get out of California, I'm licensed in 12 states, California, Arizona, Nevada, Texas, Arkansas, Florida, Ohio, Idaho, uh, Washington, Oregon, Tennessee. Yeah, I think there's, I think I missed one, but anyway, oh, Colorado, Colorado as well. So uh, if you're, if you're looking to move out that way, I can still take care of you. Call me 855-640-2020. If you want to hear anything uh, repeated that you hear on the show, or you want to share it, or you want to hear it, or if it's just not convenient, uh, this weekend, the times that are on, uh, or any weekend, go to edhoffman.net, click on the podcast page. You can hear this show as well as several past shows. And uh, you can uh, actually subscribe for free on uh, on iTunes and have it download to your uh, your iPad or your iWatch or your iPhone or your i uh, your mini pad or your maxi pad or your computer, anything you can listen to podcasts on and, uh, and listen to it on demand whenever it's convenient for you. Um, follow the Facebook page, Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash the main event and follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman, where I tweet about current events all week long. Also, uh, we had a big response to the show that I did two weeks ago. Um, lots of people have commented on the, it's on the May 8th show where we played portions of the controversial, highly censored on social media film, Plandemic. Uh, featuring Dr. Judy Mikovits. Uh, we saw a major spike on the shares and Facebook page and uh, from that show. Um, if you haven't heard it yet, um, but you'd like to, go to edhoffman.net, click on the podcast page and find the show where it says May 8th. It says 5, 8, 20. That's because that's how we label them based on the date we did them. Um, if, you like, if you like what you hear, leave me a comment on the contact page. I'm getting some great feedback from uh, those of you that are tired of being lied about. Uh, lied to about uh, the, where the virus came from, who's really an expert, and what Dr. Fauci's real background is. So if you uh, go onto the podcast page, 5820, listen to it. You also see on my page where we have a, have a link to the Plandemic website, which had the whole video on it. And surprisingly, after about a week, a week after that, they took it down and it went to where they blocked it. Today, the website's completely gone. So uh, what is Big Brother doing to us? What are they trying to keep us from knowing? Anyway, let's get on to the rest of the show and talk about what's going on this week. So uh, on Tuesday, Trump administration declassified an email that former National Security Advisor Susan Rice sent to herself about a meeting discussing sensitive information related to Russia and her incoming successor, Michael Flynn. Rice sent to herself the email on January 20th, 17, which is the day that President Trump was being inaugurated. It describes a January 5th Oval Office meeting between herself, Barack Obama, Joe Biden, James Comey, and Deputy Attorney General Sally Yates. The diary-style email Rice wrote to herself, originally classified as top secret, reads, Comey said he does have some concerns that incoming National Security Advisor Flynn is speaking frequently with Russian Ambassador Kislyak. Comey said that could be an issue as it relates to sharing sensitive information. Well, he's going to be national security advisor. You'd think that's okay. President Obama asked Comey if he was saying that National Security Council should not pass sensitive information on Russia to Flynn. Comey replied, potentially. 
He added that he did, he has no indication that thus far that Flynn has passed classified information to Kislyak, but he noted that the level of communication is unusual. Well, it's unusual based on what? Congressman Jim Jordan reminds us that this is just the tip of the iceberg, and he wants the current FBI director, Christopher Wray, to start taking it seriously. Talk about all these terrible things that happened in January of 2017, and they were bad. Comey telling him to keep pursuing Mike Flynn, even though the agents wanted to drop it. Comey meeting with Obama, talking about the Flynn-Kislyak conversation. Comey going up to Trump Tower, briefing the president on the dossier that he already knows is false. Chris Ray doesn't seem to care. So we're going to try to go around him and see if we can get these guys to come testify and answer some questions. Yeah, I think Chris Ray is uh, maybe part of the deep state, maybe not part of the deep state in in uh, in the in the Democrat kind of way. But I just think he doesn't want to, uh, you know, you know, you think about this in business in in our business. You know, you take a guy who who's a great salesman and then you say you promote him to a manager or a branch manager or some kind of leadership position and they don't always make it because they're good at selling, but they're not good at managing people. They're good at they're good at selling the product. They're good at doing the math of mortgages. Or they, and then I know it's not just the mortgage business, but sometimes you take your top producers and try to make them managers and it doesn't work out. Christopher Ray uh, used to be the assistant the district attorney under President Bush. Uh, he resigned in 2004 and got out of politics for a while. And uh, since they put him in the FBI, he just doesn't seem to be vocal. He doesn't seem to be in there to turn things around after what happened with Comey. And he just isn't engaging. And uh, on top of that, we know that he has a long, long history and a long personal relationship with James Comey. And uh, I guess Comey used to be, Comey was actually his boss before. And, you know, there's a problem there because he's just not engaging. And, and uh, I know that I and a bunch of other people have said, you know, I don't, I don't trust this guy because after everything, all the questions that are going on in the FBI and uh, in our security, uh, he just doesn't seem to be involved, and that's not a uh, that's not a that's not a good person to be involved in, in that part, especially after what we went through with with Comey and the the Obama administration's uh, security. Since Obama's name is mentioned in Rice's email, it's now abundantly clear that the outgoing president was aware of this conspiracy to take down the incoming Trump administration. Here's President Trump on that. I think Obama and Biden knew about it. Uh, they were participants, but uh, uh, so I'm a little surprised by that statement. If it was me, I guarantee they'd be going after me. Uh, in his case, uh, they're not. So I think it's just a continuation of a double standard. But I think President Obama was an incompetent president. He did a terrible job. And by the way, there was great division in our country with President Obama. Yes, there was great division. It seemed like a, a division between white and black. It seemed like a, a racial division back then. Today, the division seems to be more political, and it's, uh, and it's Democrat-Republican, and it's just the media is in the tank for the Republicans. Meanwhile, Chuck Schumer is using the word conspiracy, but of course he says it's a conspiracy against Obama. His committee will soon consider subpoenas related to another conspiracy theory pushed by President Trump this time to try and rewrite the history of Russian interference in the 2016 election to match the fantasy in President Trump's head. That wild conspiracy theory aimed at somehow smearing the fine reputation that President Obama has well deserved. I personally say 
That is so inappropriate. You are so inappropriate. It's crazy. So inappropriate. So let's uh, let's continue. Let's continue because I know I spent a lot of time ranting at the front front part of this. Uh, so for some reason, the drug hydroxychloroquine continues to cause controversy simply because the president said something positive about it almost two months ago. And if you remember, the French people found this in fighting uh, fighting coronavirus. There, they tried it. They tried it, and they're the ones that came up with the, hey, we use hydroxychloroquine and, uh, and zith- azithromycin or a Z-pack, and it, we're having great results with it. But as soon as President Trump used it to try and calm people, hey, they're finding that stuff that we already have is, is fixing this, all of a sudden, everybody's against it. And of course, as we discussed last week and the week before, part of that is because there's, there's a, it's been around for 70 years. And so uh, Fauci can't get a, a patent on it because it's already out there, and it's cheap and it's abundant. And uh, Fauci sees, hey, let's uh, let's not let a good uh, a good crisis go to waste. I mean, we can make some money on this thing. So the media says science doesn't support drugs, the drugs' effectiveness. But even Dr. Fauci, who I'm no fan of, if you've been listening to the show lately, is conducting a trial of 2,000 COVID patients to, to determine whether hydroxychloroquine can be used with other antibiotics to help people recover from the virus. That's just one of 50 clinical trials involving hydroxychloroquine going on right now in the United States. But the controversy is so thick that some patients are pulling, are pulling out of participating. Dr. Deneen Voita of United Health Group says that what's happening to their study, people who have already enrolled are saying, now I'm afraid I want to disenroll. This week, a group of researchers wrote, uh, wrote to the Journal of American Medical Association to complain that negative media coverage of hydroxychloroquine is directly correlated to the drop in trial enrollment. These are trials run by institutions including University of Minnesota, University of Washington, Columbia University in New York, and Henry Ford Hospital. Real trials conducted by real scientists. And aren't we hearing every single day that we're supposed to be supporting scientists? But the media gets involved and is scaring everybody, and people that would normally be involved are getting scared. When reporters asked Trump about the controversy on Monday, he broke some news. The frontline workers, many, many are taking it. I happen to be taking it. I happen to be taking it. Hydroxychloroquine? I'm taking it. Hydroxychloroquine. Did the White House doctor recommend that you take that? Is that why you're taking it? Yeah, White House doctor. I didn't recommend. No, I asked him, what do you think? He said, well, if you'd like it. I said, yeah, I'd like it. I'd like to take it. I want the people of this nation to feel good. I don't want them being sick. And there's a very good chance that this has an impact. So I'm taking the two, the zinc and the hydroxy. And all I can tell you is so far, I seem to be okay. You know what? This spurs me to have to play this clip from the movie Sideways. Consult your doctor before using this product. Side effects may include oily discharge, hives, loss of appetite, low blood pressure. If you have diabetes or a history of kidney trouble, you're dead. And uh, so Nancy Pelosi hit a new low on her comments on Anderson Cooper. He's our president, and I would rather he not be taking something that has not been approved uh, by the scientists, especially in his age group and in his, shall we say, weight group, what is morbidly obese, they say. So I, I, uh, I, I think it was, it's not a good idea. Yeah, morbidly obese. Nancy, he's six foot three, 243 pounds. That is not morbidly obese. I weigh more than that, and I'm five foot eight. So he's got seven inches on me and he weighs less than me. He's not morbidly obese where I could lose about 30 or 40 pounds 
because I'm uh, I'm uh, vertically challenged. Uh, but you know, part of that part of that is because uh, coronavirus is working from home is just way too close to the kitchen. So uh, so anyway, here's Trump's response and Pelosi's defense of her remarks. Pelosi is a sick woman. She's got a lot of problems, a lot of mental problems. We're dealing with people that have to get their act together for the good of the country. I was being factual and a very sympathetic way. I said he's our president. We don't want our president taking something that could be dangerous, as the scientists have said it could be. If he takes offense at that, well... I could take offense at a lot of things, but they don't really mean that much to me. I'm going to call BS on her acting like she like she cares about the president because she doesn't. Anyway, I'm all out of time for this half of the main event. So stay tuned. We're going to talk more about this and a couple other things and some really exciting stuff going on in this country. Stay tuned. Don't go away. Five minutes of traffic, weather and commercials, and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590, The Answer. By now, I'm sure you've all been hearing about the fact that mortgage rates have dropped a whole percentage point in the last 12 months. So what does that mean to you? Well, if you own a home, it means we can possibly, one, reduce your payment, two, pull out cash and pay off other bills, and then further reduce your payment, or three, we can possibly reduce the term of your loan and get your home paid off years earlier than you planned. If you're over 62 considering a reverse mortgage, the lower the interest rates are, the more money you get on a reverse mortgage. And if you haven't even inquired about a reverse, you owe it to yourself to investigate this tremendous financing option. So if you're thinking about any of these, the time to act is now. For more information, call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Summit Funding logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 5 Welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. I don't talk a lot about real estate and financing on the radio, but I need to say today, rates are really, really good. If you haven't inquired about uh, whether it might be a good thing for you to refinance, if you've been putting off thinking about buying a new house or suggesting your kids that have been living with you and they're 35, uh, that maybe they look for a house, or if you haven't looked into that that cool thing for retirees or for people that are still working that are over 62 called a reverse mortgage. Call me toll free at 855-640-2020, 855-640-2020. And one last time, day or night, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. The lower the rates go in relation to a uh, reverse mortgage, the lower the rates go, the more money you get on a reverse mortgage. So if you looked into it before and it didn't quite, well, you're going to have to come in with 10,000 bucks to close. Everything's different as the rates go down and before the, before the values start to slow down because the, well, you know what? I haven't seen values go down at all really, but so I don't really think that's a, that's a concern, but uh, call us now while the rates are good and uh, we'll help you out. We'll help you out and get help you get into a house. So before the break, I was talking about hydroxychloroquine. Trump's taking it. Everybody's making a big deal about it. And, uh, and you know, Pelosi just tries to act like she like she 
like she really cares about our president. She doesn't even care about our country. She doesn't care about the citizens and she, all she cares. No, she's 80 years old. She's got a, she's her and her husband are gazillionaires. Retire lady. You're too old to think straight. I don't understand. I don't understand why the people keep reelecting her. What I think is she's connected to some mafia people and everybody's afraid to go to, to challenge her. Uh, I think something needs to change. I think, I think we're getting to a point where people in California are just over it. And hopefully that reflects in November, but we need to be talking about that. So anyway, on Tuesday, secretary of veterans affairs, Robert Wilkie joined Trump at the white house to talk about, to talk to reporters about the drug. He said the media's reporting is inaccurate and career military officers have been taking the drug themselves for years. He also said this. Department of Defense and VA have been using it for 65 years. On every any given day, VA uses 42,000 doses of this drug. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. 42,000 of it. It must not have too much of a too much of a side effects but the the media doesn't want you to know that they want to scare you they want to you they want you to have fear so they can control you and it's all a line of bs it's all a line of bs what the real what the real reason is is that the patent on the hydroxychloroquine was was gone was expired 65 years ago so no one's ma- no one's making any money on it so fauci's not making any money there's no money to be made it's cheap we've got some 30 million doses already ready and 42,000 a day doses go out in the military. Uh, plus people that have uh, malaria, people that have lupus and a bunch of other stuff take it all the time, but they don't want to support anything that Trump said. So, Hey, for all the, all those people that, that could be helped by that, you know what? And I saw, and I saw who was it that told, uh, uh, was it the head of the American medical association? that said there's going to be problems with any governor. Oh, I know the governor of some states, I think it was Nevada and a few other states, said that any doctors that prescribed it were going to be sanctioned. Are you tired of the government trying to run your life? I personally am. After hearing President Trump's regimen of the drug was ending Thursday, the press just had to ask about it. I think it's another day. I had a two-week regimen of uh, hydroxychloroquine. And I've taken it, I think, just about two weeks. I think it's another day. So, and I'm still here. I'm still here. And I tested very positively in, a, in another sense. So this morning, yeah, I tested positively toward negative, right? So, no, I tested uh, perfectly this morning. All right. So, you know, uh, you know, he gets tied up in his tongue a little bit. Hey, I'm positive because it was positive news that he tested negative for coronavirus. Uh, so some people can't quite understand that, but, uh, you know, they're just reporters. So, uh, so let's talk about, uh, Hunter Biden. The coronavirus pandemic is probably the best thing that ever happened to Hunter Biden and his dad, Joe, for that matter. But Joe Biden's son isn't off the hook yet. On Wednesday, the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee voted to authorize the subpoena related to the GOP's investigation into Hunter Biden and his ties to the Ukrainian energy company, Burisma. Wisconsin Republican and committee chairman Ron Johnson set up a vote to subpoena Blue Star Strategies, a consulting firm that alleged, allegedly tried to influence policy at the State Department while Hunter Biden sat on uh, Burisma's board. 
Many senators who had previously expressed concerns about investigating the Bidens voted in favor of the subpoena, including, gasp, Mitt Romney. Well, it's about time he got on board. I just don't understand. Mitt Romney, I think, is probably bipolar. He, he just he just can't figure out which which side to he can't he can't figure out whether he should uh, drive to work or take his lunch. So uh, I don't know. We all know Hunter Biden's ties to Burisma were already in the news, but many of us are hearing about Blue Star Strategies for the first time. Here's Ron Johnson to explain. Blue Star Strategies was hired by that oil, that corrupt oil company, and apparently used their connections, their former Clintonites, uh, to bully the State Department, potentially Department of Justice, to potentially affect uh, our attitude, our policy toward toward Burisma. So we're, we're just asking the questions. If there's nothing there, fine, we'll, we'll get the information, we'll move on. If there's something there, I think the American people deserve the truth. So, you know what, that's all, the, all, we, all we want is the truth. Of course, the Democrats only want the truth when it fits their narrative. But, you know, I'm glad that finally, finally, the Republicans are actually pushing this, pushing this, because we need to know the truth. Kamala Harris fighting to beat Stacey Abrams, Amy Klobuchar, and Gretchen Whitmer in the battle for Biden's running mate. You know, whoever is, ends up being Biden's running mate is going to end up being president because Biden's, Biden's going to wig out or they're going to push him out or he's just going to get out for medical reasons. Uh, she said, she said uh, this in the committee on Wednesday. There are literally matters of life and death waiting for our committee's attention. But instead, this committee is doing the president's personal bidding. Members of this committee, I urge you to vote against this political sideshow so that we can focus our attention on the pandemic that is threatening the lives and livelihood of the American people. Wait a minute. They want to. They want to uh, focus on the pandemic. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Weren't they in full speed ahead on the on the impeachment thing while this stuff was starting? I looked up the date. So so Trump was acquitted on February fifth. So no one was paying attention to the pandemic. All they were focusing in on was the uh, was the uh, was the impeachment. But on January sixteenth. The CDC said that we had to start screening all the passengers coming into the United States from Wuhan. On the 21st of January, we had the first case of coronavirus in the United States. And on January 31st, Trump started the uh, travel ban into the United States to stop, to stop people from coming in from other countries that have it. And the Democrats were still focused on the impeachment. And on February 5th is when he actually got, finally got a, uh, got acquitted you know and and you know hey this is this is the this is the plan of the democrats this is their marketing plan they only focus on things that when they want to change the narrative hey, wait, 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 wait this stuff on biden could hurt us from taking the white house back and making kamala harris or amy klobuchar or uh or gretchen whitmer or something who's going to be president or don't forget stacey abrams and uh but what about, you know, what in all this time, what's happened with DACA? Remember when we closed the, closed the border, we closed the government down because uh, they wanted to, to continue DACA, keep the deferred action for childhood arrivals for the people that came here with their parents as ch- children. You know, uh, Obama gave them, there was five years they had to get their paperwork started. They said, hey, we're not going to deport any of these guys. So... Uh, but they never got the people that didn't get their paperwork started. Hey, we're canceling DACA. So 
we closed the we closed the the government down in a fight to keep DACA. And since then, Trump has offered that in some other no- negotiations. But the Democrats don't care. They just want to make a big they want to make a big photo op and a big scene and a big grandstanding thing when it happens. Uh, you know, how come we're not hearing anything about climate change anymore? Uh, this stuff is only important when it's important to make a to, to grandstand. It's the, they don't care. They don't care about you. They don't care about me. They don't care about anything that's going on here. The Democrats are just want to control our lives. They want to, and you know, if you look at CNN, you look at MSNBC. That's they are the Democrats' marketing marketing company. You know, um, let the, let everybody know that they love them, they love us, and they care about us. They don't let them let them know that we don't have very much time. We do, and let us and tell everybody that. We're going to all die. And they they know that everybody's fear is death. So let's stop it. Sounds like Kamala and uh, Biden are lining up their messages. Anything to divert attention back to Trump. I called President Tweedy. Reopen the country. End of quote. How are we supposed to do that if you're sitting on the money small businesses need in order to stay alive? Stop tweeting about it. Get the money out to Main Street now. Yeah, get the money out from, out to Main Street. Haven't we already passed three three uh, relief uh, bills? Haven't uh, we been handing out money to everybody? Haven't we been handing out? You know, we're we're handing out money to everybody now. The new relief bill wants the the last one that isn't going to pass. They want to give twelve hundred dollars to every single illegal alien. So does that mean that illegal aliens? Uh, mommy gets a uh, twelve hundred, and daddy gets twelve hundred, and their three kids each get twelve hundred each, because that's how the bill reads. Whereas Americans, they got twelve hundred to mommy and daddy, and five hundred for each kid. But the new one is twelve hundred to every illegal alien. If they're illegal aliens, how come? How do how do we know where they are? How do we keep track of them? Uh, but somehow they're they're able to keep track of them when they're handing out money. Uh, I don't think this is right. And you know that uh. And you know they're handing out all this money to businesses that aren't really businesses. And I predicted it when they came out with that first relief bill that there is going to be a run on there's going to be a run on uh, uh, LegalZoom.com. People creating LLCs, but you know you don't even have to be an LLC to, to say you're a business. You'd have to file a Schedule C as a sole proprietorship. So now there's a big controversy about uh, people that are filing for paycheck protection programs that aren't really even a business. This is a problem. Plus, you know, they're giving out checks to people that don't need it. And, uh, you know, and then here's the other side. As we're trying to reopen the reopen the, the, the country, they're arresting people that are opening their place, but they're letting all the criminals go. We got criminals in jail that are getting out. And there, I, I read a story about one guy. He got out. He stole a car. He was in jail for, for robbery. He stole a car. Uh, when he got out, two days after he got out, he stole a car. They they arrested him. They gave him a ticket, let him go. Then the next, then two days later, two days later, another uh, he stole another car. They arrested him, let him go. Two days after that, he stole the same car a third another time. They arrested him, let him go, and a, and a day or two later, he stabbed someone almost to death. We're letting those people out because we're concerned about coronavirus. We're concerned about about uh, prisoners getting coronavirus, but we're not concerned about 
free Americans that don't that that are law abiding. We were going to arrest them. You know, the we talked about my niece who's a salon owner, but there's all kinds of salon owners out there, gym owners, bars, all this stuff. You know, and here's here's another question. How do you feel when they tell you you're not essential? Oh, only essential businesses are working. Well, how does that make you feel that what you do is not essential? And how is it so essential that Home Depot, hey, it's not essential for churches to open. It's not essential for gyms to open. It's not essential for uh, whatever your business is. You're not essential. You're not essential. You're not important to people, but Home Depot is. Costco is. Why is it, why are some of these things, hey, you know what, you got to repair your house, especially when you're not essential and you can't go to work. How does that make you feel that what you do, you know, most people feel pretty strongly about what they do, that they're doing something for their fellow men and, and it's essential for, I personally do. I personally feel what I do is essential because people are buying houses and I'm, I'm solving problems. I'm helping people get their finances right. And while the interest rates are so low and we can help people lower their payments. I think it's essential. I'm working from home most of the time, but we'll be back in the office soon. But how does that feel? You're not essential. It's not essential that we keep law-abiding citizens uh, paying their bills, but it's essential that we take criminals and let them out on the streets. You know, coronavirus, there's one guy, there's one uh, person, I think it was in Florida, that was killed by someone we let out. 25 years old or 21 year, 21 years old. Hey, you know what? You know how many people are dying under uh under the age of uh 25? Not very many. But we let out some criminals so they don't get sick and they kill kill the, the young people and they kill the old people as well. What's wrong with this country? You know what? It's time for everybody to wake up. Smell the coffee. Okay, so let, let me give you let me give you some perspective here. So Laura Ingram brought up some numbers, and she's talking specifically about the state of Pennsylvania. And and I say, hey, you, know, you could take California, you could take Pennsylvania, you could take New York. Well, New York's going to be a little bit higher because of the way it is in, in California. California could be a little bit different, but this is the cross section of this is Pennsylvania, and just this, the the numbers are probably going to be similar at any state you look at. So in the state of uh, Pennsylvania, uh, COVID numbers, uh, deaths by COVID, and we know half the deaths are BS. So COVID numbers, if you're under, under 45, 33 dead. If you're over 100, if you're over 100 and you died of COVID, I don't think you died. You know, when you're over 100, you know, the, the, the average lifespan in this country is 78 years old. So once you're past 78, Chances are, if you die, you died of old age or complications or getting sick while you're old because your your systems are are slowing down or getting uh, getting weaker. So in uh, in Pennsylvania, under under 45, 33, there's twice as many people dead that are over 100. And I don't don't think when you die of you no know, John Glenn's wife died the other day uh, and they classified as as a coronavirus death. She's 100 years old. So then you go to the next category. Under 60, there's less people dead than over over 95. Under 60, 307. Over 95, 411 dead. If you look at 80, 85, there's more people that died over the age of 85 than under the age of 80. So take everybody 80 and lower and, and total that up. 
And there's still more people dead that are over 85. And people that die over 85 died because they're over 85. It's amazing. You know what? Get real, folks. Pay attention to what's going on. So let's talk about uh, let's talk about some stuff in California. Well, Governor Gavin Newsom has gradually allowed some businesses to reopen. The same privileges have not been extended to churches. Newsom says churches and religious institutions may be able to reopen their doors for limited in-person services in the coming weeks. Now, more than 1,200 pastors across California say that they will defy the state's stay-at-home order and resume in-person church services on May 31st. The letter, called a declaration of essentiality announces their plan to reopen while observing physical distancing and other precautions. Among other things, it states, this letter was not for the purpose of asking permission. This comes one day after the Department of Justice sent a letter to Newsom that says his stay-at-home order discriminates against churches and places an unfair burden on them. Signed by the Assistant Attorney General Eric Dryband, the letter says, simply put, there's no pandemic exception to the U.S. Constitution and its Bill of Rights. California has not shown why interactions in the offices and studios of entertainment industry and in-person operations to facilitate non-essential commerce are included on the list as being allowed with social distancing where telework is not practical, while gatherings with social distancing for purposes of religious worship are forbidden, regardless of whether remote worship is practical or not. Here's the president this week on reopening our churches. I want to get our country back to normal. I want to normalize. One of the other things I want to do is get the churches open. The churches are not being treated with respect by a lot of the Democrat governors. I want to get our churches open. And we're going to take a very strong position on that very soon. Just because it's proof of how slimy liberal reporters are, here's one trying to trick the president into saying he doesn't want Muslim places of worship to open back up. He doesn't take the bait. And you can't hear the reporters very well. Can't hear the reporters very well, but they ask about if that includes uh, Moss, and he he comments. And the next one is, uh, do you have a message you want to send to the Muslim community? Mosques, too, yeah, including mosques, including mosques. Yes, I wish them well, very well. Go ahead. Then Friday morning, this morning, while well, I'm just before we went on uh, uh, to record, Trump made this announcement. From the White House. Today I'm identifying houses of worship, churches, synagogue, and mosques as essential places that provide essential services. Some governors have deemed liquor stores and abortion clinics as essential, but have left out churches and other houses of worship. It's not right. So I'm correcting this injustice and calling Houses of worship essential. I call upon governors to allow our churches and places of worship to open right now. If there's any question, they're going to have to call me, but they're not going to be successful in that call. These are places that hold our society together and keep our people united. The people are demanding to go to church and synagogue, go to their mosque. Many millions of Americans embrace worship as an essential part of life. The ministers, pastors, rabbis, imams, and other faith leaders will make sure that their congregations are safe as they gather and pray. I know them well. They love their congregations. 
They love their people. They don't want anything bad to happen to them or to anybody else. The governors need to do the right thing and allow these very important essential places of faith to open right now for this weekend. If they don't do it, I will override the governors. In America, we need more prayer, not less. Thank you very much. God bless America and God bless President Trump. I love a guy who's taking a stand and uh, overriding the governors if he needs to. After, t- after touring the f- uh, Ford plant on Thursday in Michigan without a mask, oh my God, President Trump spoke to the media uh, about the Michigan governor, Gretchen Whitmer, New York, governor, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, and other Democrats like them. Democrat governors, I think they think it's good politics to keep it closed. But what are they doing? They're hurting themselves. I don't think it is good politics. They're uh, hurting themselves. They're hurting their state. And it's not good. So I think you're going to see uh, uh, pretty much uh, people are going to I think they're being forced to open. Frankly, the people want to get out. You'll break the country if you don't. And with a little bit of passion to kick off your weekend, here's one governor who is common sense. Florida's Ron DeSantis. You got a lot of people in your profession who waxed poetically for weeks and weeks about how Florida was going to be just like New York. Wait two weeks. Florida's going to be next. Just like Italy. Wait two weeks. Well, hell, we're eight weeks away from that. And it hasn't happened. Not only do we have a lower death rate, well, we have way lower deaths generally. We have a lower death rate than the Acela Corridor. D.C., everyone up there. Yep. God bless, uh, you know, some people in in our government that have some common sense. And you guys need to open your eyes. Don't be afraid. No, I know that we're going to go back to church here this weekend or next weekend or the following week, certainly by the end of the month. And I know we're going to go back to uh, working in our offices. And I'm sure there's going to be some social distancing and some people are going to want to wear wear masks and just to ease off the ease in early. But, hey, you know, we got to get our country back going. The Democrats just want to keep it shut down and and see how many companies we can put out of business before before uh, the, the election so they can use that against Trump because they know they got nothing else against him. There's nothing else, and we're going to take our country back. Anyway, I'm all out of time for this episode of the main event. Thanks for listening. Be strong out there. Have a great Memorial Day weekend, and God bless all those who died for this country, and I'll be back again with you next week. The opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Summit Funding Incorporated. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921, California DRE ID number 1012658, Arizona MLO license number 0926439, branch NMLS ID number 1841782, Summit Funding Incorporated NMLS ID number 3199, Arizona license number 0925837, Equal Housing Opportunity. Hi everyone, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590 The Answer. For those of you that are 62 or older and haven't taken the time to inquire into a reverse mortgage, here are some great reasons to consider one. One, you don't have to make monthly mortgage payments unless you want to. Two, a reverse mortgage can supplement your retirement income and allow your retirement savings to last longer, which will save you money on taxes or possibly allow you to delay taking Social Security benefits, which will increase your benefit when you do. Three, when you finally pass on, your kids inherit the home and the equity in it, along with the money that is accumulated in your bank account from not having to make monthly mortgage payments. Four, no prepayment penalty if you decide to sell the home or refinance out of it. And the biggest reason, it's your equity. Use it when you want it. Interest rates are low, which means more money available. So if you've inquired before and it didn't work, it may work today. Calling to find out more details is free. So call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Summit Funding logo. AM 590, the answer.